Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. This week we will continue with our celebration of love. We started five weeks ago, and we are teaching on really what we call together loving for the gospel's sake. And we started off the first message with saying that it has to be something beyond yourself in order to love and be in unity with one another. And that reason, we said, is for the gospel's sake. So we taught on that the first week of the series. The second week, we said we need to know really how important unity is to God. So we, talked, uh, we taught on that. The third week, we said, why is it so important to God for unity? We knew it is, but why is it so important? And, of course, sometimes he doesn't tell us why, but this time he did tell us why. And it was really because he has an order for everything. And his order is an order that's going to stand. It's all in the universe, his order. And so we talked about that. Uh, we then went over putting everything together. Um, uh, and we had a demonstration of the ingredients for a cake that week. And we said that you must, you just must make sure that we renew our minds to God's order. We must also meditate on the word of God in order to get a picture of what God really is saying in unity. And then last week we talked uh, the first part of the message on love. And love is such a, big, uh, such a big message that we started with God's love for us. And we tried to give you a, a mental picture of how much God really loves you. This week, we're going a little bit further, and we have two more messages. And uh, I think two more messages, and we will uh, close this series out. The message today is we love him because he first loved us. And I really didn't know that the worship team <laughs> had a song. Uh, and then the, the whole, man, it was just so awesome. I said, wow, wow, this is, that, that's, that's how the Spirit of God moves. Because it, it was just, everything just orchestrated. You know, and that, that's really good. Now, let's start off then with this topic. I want you to turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 John chapter 4. And we'll start in verse Probably 19. On the screen, in the King James Version, let's read that together. We love him because he first loved us. That's the King James Version. Okay, I'm reading out of the New American Standard. It doesn't say it exactly like that, but that's why I memorized it out of that. Now, <clears throat> if, 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 if now, we talked on a whole message on God loves us, we have to go further. In order to walk unity out, you must go further. Yes, God loves us. Yes. But then, how does that affect us? What are we going to do about it? We received his love because he gave his only begotten son for us. So we received his love. We've been translated out of, we've been delivered out of the power of doctors and translated into the kingdom of his dear son, which we said was, Colossians 1.13, so we went through that last week, so we know that we are recipients of all the blessings that God has bestowed upon us because he loved us. 
But then how are we going to respond to that? And I say our response must be in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. That's what love does. Love responds. Love is action. It does no good to say I love you and there's no action behind it. That's why men, we said all last week, Drew was trying to tell you that, men, you got to do something. Do not have a wife or significant other and you do nothing whatsoever. And this is supposed to be Valentine's Day last Friday. Do something to let her know that I'm putting action behind my love. Do not say, well, I told you I loved you. Uh, 15 years ago when I married you, well, you know, no, no, it doesn't go. Why don't you do something continually, continually do something and let her know that. Now, when I was unsaved, Minerva will tell you that I did nothing. Almost any day, I don't care what day it was, Christmas, I don't care what day, I did nothing. I was a heathen, nothing. I, <laughs> really, uh, it costs too much. Man, these cars cost three, four, five dollars. Why don't waste some money on some cars? Flowers, they're going to die. You know? Candy, you don't need it anyway. <laughs> right? Come on. Come on. I, I know some of you men have been there. You go to restaurants, man, I, man we can eat a sandwich at home, you know? Get a <laughs> go to McDonald's and get a, uh, you know, one of those uh, dollar meals. Come on. Because <laughs> it costs money to go to a nice restaurant with atmosphere. It costs a lot of money. But she's important. See, because we are important and we are the bride of Christ. We are important to Jesus Christ. He died for us. He gave all, so why can't we then do something? Just because it costs a little money. Come on. So we love him because he first loved us. What does that look like for us? What does that look like? Let me share it with you. Let's go to Luke chapter 7. Let's go there. And that, that's a, a very good indication of, of what God does when he wants to show a picture of our love for him. He gives us examples. Let's look at verse 36. He gives us some examples of that. Now, this is, a, this is something that happened. Let's start here. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. He, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclined at the table, meaning Jesus, in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And kept wiping them with her hair of her head. And kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him. That she is a sinner. That's how the Pharisees thought. 
And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so Simon replied, say on, teacher, say on. I guess he thought he was going to say something nice, you know. <laughs> A money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii. Now, now we know that one denarii was, is, one denarius is worth one day's work for an average rural worker. So when she had 500, that was over a year and a half worth of income, a year and a half. So you think about it now, a year and a half worth of income, and if you make 15000 20000 a year, whatever you make, uh, and you're talking about a year and a half, that's $30,000 worth of perfume that you're just going to pour on Jesus' feet. Oh, my goodness gracious. And the other 50. So the money changer had two debtors, one old 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, let's look at this. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Both of them. So which of them will love him more? That's the question he's asking the Pharisee, Simon. Simon asked and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said, you have judged correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But since she, the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he, he, he who has been forgiven little, loved little. Wow. Now we start now seeing something here. It, I could ask everybody in this room, do you love God? And the answer would be yes to most everybody. Now, let me ask you a question then, how much do you love God? See, it, it, we know that we love him because he first loved us. We know that. That's not an issue. The issue is how much do you love him? How much do you love him? See, this woman right here, she loved him so much that she took a year and a half worth of wages that she saved up in perfume. And she could have sold it, of course, and got money for it. It could have been her retirement or whatever it could have been. But she poured it on the feet of Jesus. She honored him. Wow. My, my, my. Let's look at another. Let's, look, let's take it a little, just a little bit further because we talk about how much do you love God? That's the question today. How much do you love God? Let's go to uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Let's go there. Let's see what can we add a little bit more to this picture of how much do we love God? Mark 16, verse 9. 
Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. Now, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. This is a woman who I believe loved much. Why does she love much? God had done much for her. See, sometimes I think we believe or we think or don't realize how much God has done for us. We don't, I don't think we realize how the price Jesus paid to give up everything, come here to live a life in flesh, go through approximately 33 years, die for the sins of the whole world. All the sins, disease, sickness was upon him. And we know that he wanted to say, hey, God, if there can be another way, Father, if it can be another way, take this cup from me. We know it was not a good thing, an easy thing to do. And he said, Lord, Lord, why, Father, why have thou forsaken me? We know that it was a, a terrible price. We saw maybe a long time ago they had a picture uh, about the crucifixion and things like that, are uh, horrendous, horrendous. The price has been paid for the salvation of our soul. I don't think we get that picture because I think we, we, we get a picture of, uh, well, he paid the price for us, so um, we're saved, so we'll be. You know, we don't have to go to, uh, to uh, Hades. We don't have to go there. To the fire and brimstone, we don't have to go there. So we're going to be uh, in heaven with him always, and we can do what we want to do here on earth. Well, that's not the case. Let's go to uh, Luke, John 20. Let's go there, John 20. Let's start in the first verse. And that's going to tell us a little bit more about this Mary Magdalene. Because I don't want to leave, leave her out of this thing. Because I believe she loved much. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. I mean, it's early when it's dark. It's early. Now, why was she there? Why, why, was not, why didn't we have the great 12, 11 disciples there? Why didn't we have the disciples there? These big men of God that's following him. Now, I'll never forsake you. I'll never. Why didn't we have them? Early in the morning while it was dark, trying to anticipate, you know, well, hey, we're going we're gonna to anoint him. We're going to do something. No, 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 no. We see we have Mary Magdalene and, of course, other um, places we can go. We had other women there, too. We're zooming in on Mary, Mary Magdalene because she had had demons cast out of her. And I said she loved much. She loved so much that she followed him wherever he went. She provided for him wherever she went. She did not want him to uh, uh, be without anointing. She, she was going to make sure that, that she was there. The first thing there. 
Well, what did God think about that? He could have said, hey, woman, don't you know it's dark outside? The bats are out here, man. Why don't you go home? Yeah. No. So she ran and came to Simon Peter. Well, well first of all, while she thought and saw the tomb had already um, been taken away, the stone had already been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and said to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord from out of the tomb. And we do not know where they laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking into the, into the tomb, he saw the linen wrappings lying there. He did not go in. I think he was scared to go in. And, and Simon Peter also came, so Peter, got, Peter didn't run as fast. I think John was, was, was younger than he was. I know he was younger than he was. He, had, he, he probably ran cross-country. So uh, we know that we know, <laughs> this is just, I'm just throwing stuff in there. That, you know, um, anyway, <laughs> we know that he ran faster. He entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. So Peter came, and he ran in, and then, of course, uh, John went in too. And, and the face cloth, which was, had been on his head, was lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So this is a story by itself. We're not going there. Verse 8. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, then entered and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Okay, let's go a little further. So the disciples went away again to their home. Okay, now, so the disciples, the two disciples came. They went in, they saw everything, they left. Now, let's go to the next, next verse. Ooh, this is so good. But Mary, oh, I like that. But Mary, so Mary was there first, right? Mary went back and told Peter and, and John. Peter and John came, ran to the, to the tomb, and, and looked in, went in, and saw them. So Mary went back too, and saw them. They left. They left. But here's Mary. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. Why weren't the two disciples weeping? Why didn't they say, where did they, where did they leave my Lord? I mean, they didn't understand the scripture. They didn't know he was supposed to rise again. They, 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 they thought he was gone. He was dead. Why didn't they say, oh, he's gone. Who took him? What's happened? You know, they, they could have prayed. They could have got on it. They could have done something. But they left. They left. But Mary. But Mary <laughs> was standing in the tomb weeping. She was weeping because she loved him so much because he had done so much for her. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus was lying. Did it say that when, when, when uh, Peter and John was in there? Huh? Why didn't they see the angel? Huh? Interesting, isn't it? Oh, when, when, I tell you, when, when you love God much, he does much for you. He, he, just, he just shows you stuff. Ha <laughs> ha! I said, oh, my goodness gracious, boy, this is awesome, this is awesome. Uh, listen to this now. 13. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, 
and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't, didn't, didn't manifest himself to Peter nor John, but he manifested himself to Mary Magdalene. Why? I believe because she loved much. She was so concerned. She was weeping. She, she, was, she was so concerned about her Lord. Verse 14, when she, was, she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus stand there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, look, this is, this is a woman. Now, Jesus is a man. Now, she's going to pick him up and take him away. Yeah. Now, she, but, but she meant it. She won't take him away if she had to, had to drag. She won't take him away. In other words, you just show me where he is. I'm not going to let my Lord be somewhere laying out in, 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 in the woods somewhere. You just show me where he is. I'm going to get him. She cared that much for him. Yes, she did. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We, we see that that soon as he said Mary and she realized who she was, man, she just threw herself at his feet, just grabbed him. Oh, Jesus, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And he said, stop clinging to me. Come on. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go and go <laughs> to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came. Announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. Wow, Mary Magdalene. How much do we love Jesus? How much do we love our Lord and Savior who died for us? How much do we love our Father God who sent his only begotten Son? How much do we love him? How far does it go? Now, let, let's, let's go a little bit further. Does it, now, I believe we have to love God enough to sacrifice what we want for what he wants us to do. That's how much I think we have to love God. See, in other words, we can say, I love God. But will you sacrifice what you want, your ways, what you think? For what he wants you to do. You remember we talked about before in, a, in the previous part of the series that we need to renew our mind to God's order in every phase of our life. Every area of our life, whether it be our relationship with him, our relationship with our maid, our relationship with our parents, or our relationship with our siblings, our relationship at work, our relationship at church, our relationship with the government, our relationship everywhere. We have to conform to the word of God. The word of God is a standard. Now, if we're going to do that, the word of God is going to say some things to us that we are not going to want to do. 
Do we love God enough to sacrifice what we want to do for what he wants us to do? That's the key. Because everybody can say, I love God. But if he say, I want you to walk in unity. Mm -hmm, Well, but you don't understand this person right here. No, I, I want you to walk in unity. But you don't understand. They don't like me. What? They didn't like Jesus either. But he died for him, didn't he? Let's go a little bit further. I believe that if we love God enough, it would take us into another realm of gratitude. In other words, we said one thing is you're going to have to love God enough to sacrifice what you want for what he wants. Number two is you're going to have to, well, let's say, you can show your love for God, uh, the amount that you love God, by how much gratitude you show. See, because God wants gratitude. Human beings want gratitude. How many parents is that, that, that you, you, you do something for your, your children and, and they act like they don't have any gratitude? <laughs> Well, in Deuteronomy 20, 28, uh, we, we, we went through that one time about what God has for us. When we walk in unity, That we started the message off with that. All those blessings he had upon us, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the, in the country, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed in our needing cross. All those things we're blessed, but then it goes on to, in, in verse 45 of, of chapter, the same chapter 28, and he said that, oh, well, you know what, these curses are going to come upon you because you have not, let's, let's look at it, let's look at Deuteronomy, let's look at it so you know, Deuteronomy. 28, 45. Let's go there real quick and let's look at that. Because I don't think we understand gratitude. We don't think we understand that. Okay, in verse 45 it says, So all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you would not obey the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you to, you to do. You saw all oh, this Old Testament. Oh, we're not under the curse. Jesus Christ made, uh, made a curse for us. Yes, he has. But if, 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 that's, if, if we don't have to obey the commandments, we can close the book. <laughs> we don't have to read it anymore. But we know we do. And it says here, verse 46, it says, They shall become a sign and a wonder on you and your descendants forever. Why? Why are you going to do that, Lord? Because, in verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy, and a glad heart. That glad heart is with gratitude, grateful heart. God wants us to be grateful. He wants us to be grateful. Grateful, grateful, grateful. How grateful are we? How much do we love God? How much gratitude do you show? How much gratitude do you show? Do you, do you show gratitude enough to, 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 to come and praise him? Huh? Do you know that, that, that Jesus said he inhabits the praise of his people? He says that. He inhabits the praise of his people. Now, if Jesus inhabits the praise of the people, and we come, I, the, the, worship, the worship leaders told me that before, because I've, I've said in the, in the past years, I've said, look, start on time at 1030. The music starts. Okay? They said, well, nobody's here. They, they're out in the hall. They, they, they're coming. We'll wait for them. Oh, we're not waiting on nobody. We're going we're gonna to start. So we're going to put a bump up here. And it starts at 5 minutes, uh, 10.25, and when the bumper stops, the music starts. 
Now, do we come, are we anticipating Jesus is, he inhabits the praise of the people, so we come in and we, we just can't wait to get in the presence of God so we can just praise the Lord for his goodness to show our gratitude because, after all, he did keep us alive for seven days. Didn't he? From one son to another, seven days. Right? Are we coming? He said, Jesus is here. He's going to inhabit the praise of our people. Oh, man, I want to be here. I want to be here. When the music starts, I want to be here. I want to be praising him. Come on. How much gratitude do we show? Do we show enough gratitude to say, God, you wrote 66 books to me. I want to read these things, God. I want to know about you. I want to know you, Lord. Or do we read a little devotional just from somebody? Got one line in it. Stay five minutes a day. Say, okay, check. (laughs) It's done. How much do we love God? How much gratitude do we show? Are we grateful? That's what I'm talking about. Are we grateful to God for saving our soul? Do we love him because he first loved us? How much do you love him? Are you loving him enough to be grateful? I'm just asking a question. Because the, the, the God is asking me that same thing. Let's go to one more. We talked about, first of all, we got to love him enough to sacrifice what we want for what he wants. And then we have to love him more and more and more, and we can show it by our gratitude. Our gratitude. Number three is we need to love him to such an extent that we participate with the Holy Spirit mortification of our flesh. To participate with the Holy Spirit in the mortification of our flesh. We need our flesh Mortified. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 12. It says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if, if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you are putting to death, that putting to death in the King James it is mortified. If you by the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Mortify. Mortify. God wants us to mortify this flesh. He really does. This flesh wants this way. And we don't want our way. We want to, cycle. We want to love God enough. I don't want my way, God. I want your way. Let me give you a, a life a life example of that from my own life. Uh, you remember I, tell you, I was telling you I was shoveling snow. It was really from 1 to 6 o'clock Friday. And what happened was that I was shoveling. And this man, my next door neighbor, he was going to the street. I asked him, I said, hey, how, how are the streets up there? He said, man, Williams are fine, but, man, Rotherwood is a mess. And we have a hill going for my house to go up here. And he was trying to get up the hill, and he got stuck back down. Went up, got stuck, back down. The next time he went on up. And there was another neighbor that was standing there. And I hollered at the neighbor. I said, hey, he made it. And the neighbor, I said, I wonder, did he hear me? I know I'm dog, but I was standing in the snow. I mean, I'm standing on a, a white background, man. I know you saw me, you know. 
And he was standing there with his little girl. I said, hmm. I said, okay. That's all right. We still, you know, remind me of the 70s. That's all right. It's 2014, but that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Let him, let him act that way. He gets in his car. He goes up here, zoom, and shoop, gets stuck. Now, but he couldn't bag back straight like a neighbor could. And he bagged back, and he went crooked and got stuck over in the, in the, rest, in the higher snow. His little daughter got out and trying to get the thing clear. And he was zzz, zzz, tires going. And, you know, me. <laughs> I'm standing there in my driveway looking, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Wouldn't speak. Wouldn't speak. Well, act like you stuck up. All right. Now you are stuck. Now get out and walk back with your car stuck there. And when the, when the truck comes with the, with the plow, you can't, you, your car stuck. You can't get out. You know, and I won't say, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> Doesn't the flesh want to do that? Come on now. Doesn't the flesh want to do that? And I heard, what's say, Go help him. No, man, get behind me. Say, oh, no, no. Oh, you got a message. What, what is your message on? Oh, man. Oh, man. I love you because you first love me. What is love? Oh, man. Oh, God. Did I love, did, did, did you love me first? Or did I love you first? Oh, God, come on. So I put the shovel on my shoulder, walked up the hill, and I started digging. He said, you don't have to do it. You don't have to help. No, I'm digging out, brother. Then I dug around the tire. He said, he said, I think that's enough. I said, no, I'm going to get the front tire. I got that tire. And then he, the little girl jumped in, and they got me bagged on out. I went on back down the hill. And when I came back, I felt good. I only felt good because the Holy Spirit jumped on my case. <laughs> and I responded. Now, I could have not responded. Many times I have not responded the right way. I, I, I've said, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I took this stuff. Man, I took this stuff for, for ever since I was in high school. I took this stuff from there. I'm not taking no more stuff. I'm not going anywhere because you, you don't understand. You didn't have to go through this, man. You, you, you know, you were a Jew. They, you were around Jews, man. You didn't have to go to this stuff, man. Uh, and I, I mean, no, you don't. Come on. Have, have we ever excused ourselves out of stuff? Yeah. I felt good. But I, I still felt bad that those thoughts, those, those corrupt thoughts, went through my mind, and was affecting my attitude. You know, that's not good. That's not good. That's what I mean by participating with the Holy Spirit to mortify the deeds of the flesh. We're going to have to do it to walk in unity with God, with your mate, with your siblings, with your, in, in school, with your professors, with, um, uh, in, in your workplaces, in the church, in the government, you're going to have to walk in unity. And it's not about you. It's about him. We love him because he first loved us. And see, in, in Timothy 3, 1, uh, I, let's turn it real quick. Timothy 3, 1, that's the last scripture I want to hit. Uh, in Timothy 3, 1, this tells us just what, it, what, what my problem is. 
And I say is because I haven't overcome this problem. The Holy Spirit just had mercy on me and grace because if he hadn't said nothing, I wouldn't have gone up there. That's, that's, that's what, what we're talking about, hearing the voice of God. You've got to know the voice of God. I knew it wasn't, you know, Satan not going to tell me, you know, go up there and help him. He, he'll say, man, don't go help that dude, you know. He didn't even speak to you. Satan's going to get you in trouble, and then he'll turn around and accuse you, accuse you before God. So stop your blessings. In verse 1, this is Second Timothy. Did I tell you Second Timothy? Yeah, Second Timothy. It's on the board there. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. That lovers of self is that we are selfish. And that was my problem Friday, selfish. I'm thinking about that. He didn't speak to me. He didn't respond to me. He knew I was talking to him. Now he's stuck, and he can't get out and dig himself, and then, and then uh, I'll move the car too. So let him sit there and look stupid. See? That's the flesh, and God is always saying, that is about you. You're thinking about you, not me. Because you're thinking about me, you'll be thinking about what I did for you. I love you first. When you were unlovable, when you didn't love me, when you talked about me, when you didn't want nothing to do with me, I loved you and died for you. And now you're going to turn around around and somebody didn't speak to you. (laughs) Now, how many times have we let our flesh get over because something is not agreeable to us? I think things need to be done this way. Well, so what? (laughs) You know, get over it. Right? So selfish. So I said, God, help me. Deal with me. Help me get the selfishness out because the selfishness will keep the flow, the anointing of the Spirit from flowing from within me, outside of me, to others. That's what will happen. It's not because the, the anointing is not in you, because the Holy Spirit is in you. You have the, the Holy Spirit. How much of him do you want? He, he's in there, Right? If you're born again, he's there. So you can say, I want more of God. How much more do you want? He said in John that, hey, you, you're about me. My word's about you. My, my father and I are going to come. We're going to, uh, you know, we'll dwell inside of you. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you. We got the Godhead living in us. How much more do you think you're going to get? Okay, so our problem is us. Can we... Open the nozzle of this hose and let the water, the water is on. <laughs> it's on. The water wants to flow through this hose, but you got the hose closed up. The nozzle, you got it closed up. So if the nozzle is closed, I don't care how much, how much you turn that water on. It's not going not one bit unless it's got a hole in it. It's not going anywhere. You'll never have the benefit of that water. Now, if, if you open that nozzle or squeeze the trigger of that nozzle, then the water will come out, right? And I say, God, get rid of this selfishness so that 
some of this, some of this anointing will come out and, 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 and get on these neighbors. Because the way, I, the way I am now and the way God, I would have just messed up. Because my neighbor that went up the hill, he's a Christian. They're in church. And all this person would have done is say, you know, uh, matter of fact, when he went up the hill, he parked his car up there, and then he was walking back down. So the man would have got back down, but his neighbor, my neighbor, who knew that I'm the pastor of the church because he's been here before, and, and he would have he said, oh, I'll help you. He would have walked back up to his, his, his van, got his thing, walked back down and got him out. He would have gotten out anyway. Well, what would that say to me when he knows that this is a pastor? Because the man already told him when he moved in across the street, hey, hey uh, your neighbor over here, this is the so-and-so, and the neighbor across there, he's a pastor, he's so-and-so, and so on. What has that done with my testimony? What is your testimony at work? What is your testimony at school? What is your testimony in church? What is your testimony when people see you? What is your testimony at home when your children see you, when your children hear you, your wife hear you? What is your testimony? I say, God, help us. Help us to let the anointing out. You don't want to miss next week because you know I'm not through. You, you know it's got to go from, from now that we love him, we say, oh, if you love me, what's the next part of the verse? Keep my commandments. Ah, let's stand. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.